Hello, friends. Today you have Jake and Seth, and you're in for a treat because we're going to do a head-to-head deathmatch between Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat. And I know you're probably wondering if the tape just skipped, um, if you're listening to this on tape. No, it didn't. We decided to watch the recent Mortal Kombat, the one released in 2021, and we're so unimpressed. We also decided to watch the original 1995 Mortal Kombat just to get an idea, just to see what went wrong, or just to get that, really just to see how we felt. If our feelings about the original, if we were remembering it a little with gold, in a golden light because of the new one. And I was happy to say that's not the case at all. The new one was much better. But before we go into the new one, I, I want to focus on the moral on this remake, the one that came out in 2021. Um, specifically, it, it was directed by Simon McCoy, who I'm not familiar with. Um, produced by James Wan, but I mean, that doesn't mean anything. Just because he probably had not have anything to do with this film. Starring Louis Tan, Jessica McNamee, Josh Lawson, Makad Brooks, uh, Joe Taslam, Hiroyuki Sanada, the big cast. So this is a film about a video game, about a tournament between Earth and another dimension called the Outer Realm, where the winner... Where first of all, it doesn't make any sense. If the Outworld wins 10 years in a row, they can invade us. Apparently, the US, the, our world's never lost, and we haven't done anything to them. Also, one more quick thing. I'm in, I've watched a couple of these movies. I'm not impressed with the Outworlders. Let them fucking come. Like, seriously, I, our conventional weapons would beat... I've seen, like, three mediocre fighters beat them in four movies now. I'm pretty sure the U.S. Army, the Chinese Army, the Russian Army... I think we do okay. I think, But moving that aside... The thing about the new one, and the reason I just went through that plot, is because it's pretty simple. It, it's pretty basic. It's a silly story. It's supposed to be fun, and it should be pretty light. Somehow, the remake manages to just completely fuck up everything about the... First of all, the tournament doesn't even take place. That was a big grab of mine. <laughs> Don't understand that. Number two, I... It's no longer about your fighting skills. It's about Arcana, which is apparently some magic power. And once you find your Arcana, then you can do magical things like shoot laser beams out or, or conjure special weapons and armor. They made it so convoluted as to have, like, there's bloodlines and generations involved now. And there's like, prophecies, and it's like, and then there's this rivalry between the beyond these two clans and also mind you the rivalry is introduced by just showing this nice peaceful idyllic lifestyle and then they're all just murdered out of nowhere with no no, no warning no sub no context scorpion quote unquote is killed it's also one of the better it's one of the only good fight scenes in the film that's the other thing the fight scenes suck hey, a lot of so a lot of these movies what i'm really judging is the work and the choreography of the fighting and if you haven't improved that since the movie that was made 20 years ago, <laughs> you got some issues. You got real issues. And, like, the thing talk, – talk, just talking about the conception. In the first one – we'll get to the first one in, in original. But, like, the characters 
it's not Oscar winning writing, but they all have pretty basic motivations that you can identify with. They're all quickly established. This movie is about Cole, who is a fighter who's not very good, yet he makes his living as a fighter. Don't understand that. Doesn't make any sense. The only thing that does make sense is that because he's, even though he's a bad fighter, his bloodline means he he could be a good fighter. Also, the other thing they talked about the last of his line. His daughter's the last of the line, not fucking him. A whole other side note. But the thing, this film was about Joe Cole, a fighter who couldn't fight, learning to find his like. Uh, confidence to fight and yeah, yeah, it was like they all needed to find a different way to get their special powers which i didn't even know you needed to like go through that training to get your power when it's mortal combat they were you know they went so far away from the actual source you know the video game by the way jake did you have you you played mortal combat right i assume not in, not in the decades but i used to play i loved it i used to play mortal combat 3 a lot on my sega genesis and uh, I will say, like, when you play that game in your head as a kid, you kind of make up some stories or kind of fill in the blanks for yourself to try to figure things out. But this gets so far away from, like, that original source material and the characters. And it's like, I get that they're trying to do something more, I guess, but you can't make it this confusing and nonsensical. Like, it's a fucking video game movie. So I... <laughs> I didn't realize there was a, I didn't remember there was a rivalry between Subway and Scorpion. I mean, Sub-Zero, I said Subway, Sub-Zero and Scorpion. He should be Subway because he sucks. But um, the, I didn't realize that because, you know, and when you play Mortal Kombat, you're fighting everyone. Right. So there's not like... It seems like everyone against everybody. Yeah. So yeah, but and then so quickly touching on the remake, there's a one line of dialogue where Shang Tsu in, in the new one is like, hey, oh, Scorpion and Sub-Zero hated enemies in life but they're now under my control they took that one line and extrapolate try to extrapolate a full movie out of it that it's like a piece of exposition no one cared about and you're building this rivalry between scorpion and sub-zero by the way you introduce it in the first 10 minutes then you come back to it at the last 10 minutes with zero development in between it, it was just like mind-blowing it's like why am i rooting for this guy i haven't seen in an hour and a half that's not a joke you don't see him for an hour and a half. And then it's like, oh, he was waiting in hell for you. It's like, we couldn't have seen that. We couldn't have gotten any hindsight that he was waiting there. It just, it's a duex machina is what it was. Yeah, exactly. And it's poorly done. And uh, it just, it, and then I re- this isn't me, but I read an article that I think hit the nail on the head. We talked about, I, I, wanted, I couldn't find it before, but we talked about another film like this recently. And I think as soon as I say it, hopefully you'll remember. This film they wanted to be a backdoor superhero movie like watching the fights these aren't it's not mortal Kombat fights and not one-on-one every fight is pretty much a group fight even goro versus cole his wife gets involved and the daughter it's like these like it's team fights it's not one-on-one death matches and i know how stupid this sounds as a 35 year old guy to be complaining about the level of action but like as a fan of these movies and one of the idiots who actually pays money to see them and if i like them i'll see them multiple times like you should probably do a better job with the like it's not only bad action but it's not what i would expect it's like you go to drive and there's there's some good action in drive but there's not much driving and people were upset like because you want to see people drive and there's one driving scene so 
that's kind of how I feel with Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat's about one-on-one combat. It's about death matches. Yeah. Literally death matches. There's I don't think there's any real one-on-one death match. Like there's a fight at the end where they're all kind of going together, but like they're like switching partners and doing different things. Like it, it just it wasn't Mortal Kombat. It should be this tournament of one-on-one matches. I totally like to take that element out of it is like kind of crazy. It's the only like actual thing you need to do in the movie. It's like if they made a movie about Pirates of the Caribbean and there are no pirates in it, right? Yeah. Or there are no ships. Like, how, how do you have Mortal Kombat without the tournament? Like, I, I don't understand. And that's you know, I'll say this: having recently watched uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla on HBO, I kind of went into this with a similar mindset of like, hey, that was a fun, goofy kind of action movie. Like, I'm hoping they just have fun with this. Like, I don't need to think too hard. And all of a sudden, you're trying to hit me with like dramatic, emotional stuff with like Scorpion's family or something. And then st- it just all of a sudden, I was like, oh no, they're taking this way too seriously. And they're not having fun with it. And they're trying to do something that I would never advise you to do with this type of movie. I mean, you know, it's way too serious for a video game movie. And it completely collapses in on itself. You, like, it's way too serious. The fighting, and you nailed it. Like, martial arts movies should be about martial arts. And there shouldn't be too much CGI. It should be really the two people in the room. Too much exposition or talking, like, <coughs> the fight scenes so that I can enjoy the, yeah. Also, revenge stories are pretty simple. Like, you could have made a really simple revenge story. Like, it, but, you know, to help if he knew the relative instead of it being a thousand years later. Like, uh, and that's the thing with Luke Kane. His revenge story is his brother died. Like, right. the year before. And Sonya Blade's partner died in the 1995 original. It's like, those are real. People, they're not, again, nothing crazy, not Oscar winning. But you can, with like a two-minute setup, you can buy into that. And then it's like, okay, I'm on this journey with them. And this, it's like, okay, you had the really, the family murder, the guy sent to hell. Sub-Zero is like a weird, I don't know, like Gestapo kicking down doors. Like, I don't understand. I didn't understand the context of what was happening and then it's like you go to this, hey, flash forward to today, and I'm watching this shitty fighter who, who has no chemistry with his family. I also like Louis Tan. I, I like this actor. He he guest starred in Iron Fist, the Netflix show. He was also, he was great, and he's also apparently like one of the finalists to be Iron Fist. And I think he would have been a great Iron Fist or better. If I, but the one thing I'll say is some of the things that plagued, uh, like another guy, the actor who played Danny Rand in Iron Fist, the series, um, the guy from Game of Thrones, kind of plagues him in this. Like, I like, I think Louis Tan is more likable, but they're asking him to do too much drama. Like, yeah, way too. It's just like you, you can't be asking anyone in this movie to be that much like serious acting. And then, and then the other thing too is like some of his like comedic delivery or some of the lines are supposed to be. It's not bad, but it just doesn't work because it's like there's no. He's he's just. Switching, he's yo, he's like it's not yo-yoing. He's boomeranging back and forth, like between like emotions. I also had a problem with like just the selection of characters they did. It was some of my favorite people were, you know, Johnny Cage was my favorite guy in the video game. He's my favorite guy in the original movie. He's like this one of the few Americans involved in this whole fucking thing, and like he's a great. You need somebody with a sense of humor out there, and Johnny Cage is like a must, desperately needed in this movie, and it's like. Also, I think, you know, I don't know if Reptile was in this, but Reptile is also kind of a cooler of the bad guy characters. He was. He was that lizard creature that attacked them randomly. 
reptile. Yeah, I was. That was. It must have been. He was invisible and he was a lizard. Like that had to be the reptile. You are right. Yeah, yes. Um, well, to, you mentioned not only the selection, but like, okay, not only the selection, but the first Mortal Kombat film did something very well. They built to all of the villains. They introduced Shang Tsu immediately. They introduced Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Kano. And Goro. And Goro. And they yeah. build to Goro. They yeah. build to Goro. And they That's do a great, yeah. It's a really good build to Goro, yeah. And, like, the best thing about Goro, like, I was really respect it. They do this montage where you don't see him killing, but you just see, like, tw- you just see the bodies hitting the floor. And it's, like, and it... It, it's almost excessive, but it works because then they go. It's like South Park or Family Guy, where it's excessive, and then it comes back around. Where it's like, oh wow, he just literally killed probably everyone at the tournament. And then you demonstrate with that one fight where he goes against Art Lean, who's friends with all of them. Right. Yeah. And it they build to Goro, and this one Goro shows up out of nowhere, out of a barn, and and is dead two minutes later. And they don't identify him as Prince Goro, leader of the armies. They switch him out with Sub-Zero, but the other thing is they don't build up to Sub-Zero because they show you immediately what he can do in the opening scene. I did what the one, I'll give this thing a minor piece of credit. When when Goro did come out of that barn, I thought it looked good. Like I did think the effect of, I don't know if it was CGI or prosthetics or whatever they were doing, it did look better. If you watch the 95 one, it's very clearly like two guys inside of a puppet kind of thing going on. And so I did, I was like, well, at least they got this thing to look, but I totally agree. It's like, there's no, there's no like build up to it or even like kind of a foreshadowing of him. It's just all of a sudden he's in this barn fighting the main character and then the fight's over really fast and you're like, well, you just killed one of my favorite villains like in two minutes. My only problem with that fight was that Goro before he had powers, was, like, beating the crap out of him. Like, multiple punches, and there was no effect. Again, this is why I'm saying forfeit the tournament. Let these assholes come in. If Joe Cole can beat their ass, what do you think a couple Marines are going to do to these guys? Like, I'm so, like, they did, I was so unimpressed. Like, when he gets the armor, I was like, which character in Mortal Kombat is this? Like, or is this, like, a new guy? I was very confused about I was like, who's the armor guy? Like, I believe he's he new. Turn into a modern scorpion or something, but then he just turns into something else. <laughs> I believe, I believe he's just a new character made for the movie. And wow, talk about just a swing and a miss. But the, there are some other villains. Like there's some. I had to look them up. First of all, Cabal. Never heard of him. He pops in and apparently plays a big role in turning Kano oh, against right. it. And then there's like two other villains, Rico and Natara, who just show up out of nowhere. Shang Tsung's side. Um, Excuse me, I, I've been saying Shang Tsu. Excuse me, it's Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung, I apologize. Um, How did you feel about the Kano character? Because it's like both, I think in both movies, the actor that does Kano is like really going for it. And I just wondered what your thoughts were on him. I thought he was really good. I thought uh, in this, I thought in both he's good. I thought in this film, Kano is probably the highlight. Like, my highlight. He was the only one that was kind of coming out of the screen a little bit and making me laugh a few times. He was bringing the Johnny Cage energy from the 95 one, like, just kind of zipping along. Yes, and it's like, he's kind of this annoying dick to everybody else, but it's like, everybody else is so dumb and dramatic and thrall. Like, I wanted somebody to make fun of everybody. Me too. I, I, I liked him. You mean you nailed it. 
he's the only character that's popping off the screen. He's the only character that has any sign of life or personality or fun. Really, just the things you're looking for in a video game movie. Like, uh, it was... Oh, I, the, the other thing, too, like, Goro wasn't bad, but the rest, like, not all the CGI was that great. Like, the setting, also, the settings weren't that great. Like, the temple, like, I was just... And that we're about to jump in the 95 one, because I'm watching that, I was like, it was even more stark. Like, yes. it was made for half the budget 25 years ago, and they had better set design. And I'm even going to say it, because the CGI at that time, I remember, was groundbreaking. And, like, it looks so bad now, but uh, yeah. the, the, thing, yeah. the thing coming out of the hand, it looks so cheesy now. But that I remember being that age and seeing that in the trailer and being like mind blown. You I hadn't seen that before. So <laughs> it's worse story, it's worse fighting, it's worse production value, and like and it's bad CGI. Yeah, the set work, even the settings in the video game are pretty interesting. And then I like you gotta you gotta do more with your set work because that. Your fight scenes aren't going to come off the screen the right way if it's not an interesting setting for these people to be doing all this stuff around. It's, for the most part, it's like you're not even looking at the background. I mean, the, like the farm fight—they're uh, in a farm. Yeah, you know, it's just like it's—it's it's dumb. He's in a farm. He's—they're in a barn, and then it falls, <laughs> and then they're in the driveway, and then like the fine finale all takes place in a very like a yeah, like a rock. Also, why can they just come in and out? Like why? What, who is Raiden? What what is his role in this? Why isn't anyone scared of him? Why can Shang Tsung just break all the rules? Like Raiden made a little more sense to me in the in the original, where he's like, "I'm the guardian of the Earth realm," and it's like he he's kind of the watchdog of these outer world world people unless they win the tournament or something. He has like a, to me, it was more established. He's like a Gandalf. Like he's he can only do so much. Like as long as they're following the rules, he can only do so much. What I didn't understand about this film is. Shang Tsung, first of all, he doesn't break any rules. Shang Tsung plays by the rules in the first one for the most part. Yeah. <clears throat> but in this film, what I just couldn't wrap my head around was why was there no consequence for Shang Tsung breaking all of the rules? Like, what? why didn't he break the rules a thousand years ago? Like, I just didn't... It, and then yeah. for them not to, like, explain... It, it just, again, I don't need this to be too smart, but you're collapsing in on yourself at every point. And <laughs> for me... This film is about the questions I had. Did the filmmakers ever play Mortal Kombat? Did they ever watch the first film? Why didn't they just try and make a superhero film like they wanted? Yeah. And this was the one that blew my mind. That I like you. Literally, the more I think about it, I don't understand it. Why no cameos from yeah. the original actors like Robin Shu or Br Bridget Wilson? She probably doesn't need her. She married Pete Sampras, but like. No cameos? That's one of my favorite actresses. No, no, like I'm just mind is my mind is blown. Like even Christopher Lambert, like uh, he can still play Raiden, right? Yeah, I mean you don't even need to play Raiden. <laughs> just have him be like a cameo. Like just have him be someone at the dot. Like I don't even know. It I was it, yeah. It's not like those guys are are like working around the clock. Like I'm sure you could get Christopher Lambert and uh, Pete Sampras's wife. Or I mean, like, just it, I was just uh, again just blown away. Like you're you're talking about you want to create something for the fans. Like why not call back? You don't need to call back to like the second or third movie, which were, were not good. But like the first one, 
was a success. That's definitely the real thing. It's like these types of movies, and I want to actually say that it's actually two subgenres. I want to say that these movies, you have the video game sub- subgenre, and then you have this, like, the tournament fighting subgenre, which goes back to stuff like Kickboxer and Bloodsport and all those kind of movies, you know, where it's like, oh, this is just a fun, like, I'm going to watch a bunch of Kung Fu and some Van Damme. And a lot, you know, it's not too complicated. It's just about who wins the fights and wins the tournament. And it's like, it's really a simple formula. And I don't know what the fuck they were thinking, but it's like, they go so far away from both of those subgenres in different ways that it's just like, they just so missed the mark on this. I'm just looking at this now. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. It's like, this is the problem. They signed on for a five, like some of the actors signed on for a five film deal. Oh my goodness. Like, Five like films. They, they are trying to kind of force, like they make the Johnny Cage illusion at the end, and they're trying to say like there's going to be another movie, but like you got to make me like this for me to give you another chance. That's again, like we've talked about this a lot. Like there's when you want to build a universe, there's one super simple solution: make one good fucking movie first. Don't save anything for the sequel. Make that first movie good. Make it make it count. Make it deliver. Because if it doesn't, then guess what? Your fucking sequels are up and poof up in smoke. Like whether it's the, five movie, I mean, there's no way they're making five movies. Also, come on, who who greenlit that? Like yeah. again, talk about conception. Five movies, more than Lord of the Rings. Like what what story do you have to tell? And then for this to be the story, like. That's absurd. Yeah, that's absurd. I didn't know that, but I mean, that's got to be the kind of thing. I mean, I don't think they're gonna put all those put all those into production. But uh, yeah, you're right. If you're trying to make a greater world, your first movie better make sense and it better speak to the fans. It, like, it, like this is there is a core fan base for these movies, and if you can easily tailor this movie to make them happy, and you did the exact opposite here. <laughs> uh, but and that the. We've had some fun with Zack Snyder in the past and uh, DCEU just about like, again, like misconceptions, like fail, like failing to properly build, failing to understand characters, failing to understand your fan base, failing to understand what connects with them. And like, and again, but, but no surprise, this comes from the same production, this comes from the same studio. And it's like, I, I, my mind is blown. Like these, the, it's just not that hard. They made it so much harder than it needs to be. But that's what I don't get because the studio makes good, hard films. Like they make award-winning, they make dramatic film. Like they can make serious content. The problem is they just don't like. They they treat they take the same formula and try and apply it to these comic books or this this IP without understanding the IP and the fan base. Right, and it's just more with the with the Star Wars trilogy, the recent one. Where yeah. It's just like, it's just one of those things like, yeah, you can, Ryan Johnson, you can make the best movie you want about acceptance, but if it's in a billion dollar franchise and the fans don't fucking like it, guess what? It's not good. Also, I still say, Ryan Johnson, it's pretty impressive to have a $1.4 billion failure, and he did it. He lost 33% off of the first film, and then his movie cratered the next one, and it cratered Han Solo's film. Like, he literally, it, it I'm, that's not hyperbole. He cratered the entire franchise. That's probably a couple billion that like he left on the table. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like all of those movies. 
movie should have cleared two billion or something if it, they were doing it. If all if all the movies had failed, if all the movies reached that first one's success, that's two billion dollars on the table. And before anyone says, "Oh, that's so hard to do," Marvel did it. Yeah, <laughs> it can be done. And also, guess what? More people like Star Wars than fucking Marvel. More the thing is, more people see Marvel movies more often. Like that's how those Marvel. That's all other story. But like. I, and again, you don't. I don't need to see Endgame and Infinity War. You can give me a Blade and a Blade Two, and I'll be enjoy, like I'll be happy. Like it doesn't always need to be the best, but give me something good and then build on it. And it's that's not that hard. It's not that hard, especially when I don't know you're being paid millions of dollars a year, and you're giving people tens of millions of dollars a year, or hundreds of millions of dollars to make these film franchises like. It, so it's like the money, you know, the, the cast in this movie is not some star-studded cast. You know, the, the cast of the old one, at least I know a couple of the people or whatever, and so I'm sure there was some dollars spent there, but, like, the money for this movie should be going into effects, into settings, into the, the fight choreography. It's like, you got to make that shit work, and you got to make it pop off the screen. Because where else is your money going? I mean, did it all go into that two minutes of Goro coming out of the farmhouse? I, I think it went into all the CGI. Well, that was the other thing, like, yeah, Cabal... Yeah, Cabal was all CGI. There was also out of nowhere a flying, like banshee, with wings that was killed. I characters. I mean, I haven't played all the Mortal Kombat games, but some of them didn't seem like they were core characters. There were there. Are, I'm not joking. There's about five villains that are randomly introduced and then killed off as unceremoniously as they're introduced. It's just as hard to follow. And yeah. they did. They like they they made the mistake that I feel DC did where it's like they're relying for DC, not to bring it up, but for D, the analogy, for DC when they were doing the Batman story, instead of leaning into the fact that everyone knows how Bruce Wayne's parents died, they showed it four fucking times. Like, you understand, like, one of the benefits of ha having this movie, like, also there have been 10 Batman movies in the last 20 years. We know. Like, you don't need to show us 10 times. But, like, so the idea there is, like, but then in other things, it's, like, oh, Lex Luthor, they never show him talking to any of Steppenwolf in the first one. But it's, like, oh, but he's, it's inferred. It's, like, no, no, no. Don't infer that. Show me that. Yes. I can infer. I don't need to infer. I know what happened to Bruce Wayne's mom. I get it. And where I'm going with that with Mortal Kombat is you made, you were relying on fans to... Like, no, you're basically relying on fans and this IP, and you're like, okay, we're going to give them something they like. But you don't, like, but it's so untethered from the actual reality of the games with no tournament, no one on one matches. And the characters, you don't treat them, there's no respect. I don't even know half the characters. You literally introduce a character and they're killed in the next scene. It's, it's just, it's mind blowing. It's like, and this is the other thing. The reason why I'm saying it is they literally, you want to build a threat. I'm not saying you can't have a villain pop in, but when it happens, when five or six villains are literally coming in just to be killed, it doesn't build... There's no drama. Yeah. yeah, there's no drama, and it's not building equity for the character, like, oh, he's improving. He's he, he's it's showing how powerful they are. It it was just such a misfire, in that sense, in my mind. I, I, I agree. And, like, I... Now that you've told me that there was five movies, it's dawning on me that, like, this was the movie of them training their abilities, I guess, and the next movie should be, like, the actual tournament. But look, this is Mortal Kombat. Like, you cannot have a Mortal Kombat movie and not have the Mortal Kombat tournament. I mean, 
I watched this with my brother, and he was like, he was dumbfounded that there wasn't a tournament. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I can't say the word that it is. It just, it's, uh, it just blows my mind. I just blow- why they greenlit this thing without the tournament. Yeah, it's like, what happened here? Who? Why are people? Why, why is any executive who's like still at DC or WB, whatever the fuck it is, like I just—it's blowing my mind. Like, ugh. I don't know. This was—it was a bad. It, it was a—it was a—it was a swing and a miss. I mean, it happens with movies. I was hoping it'd be like a fun, like I said, like a Godzilla King Kong kind of thing, or like a blood sport. You know, just have fun with it. But they just didn't want to have fun. They just wanted to do something serious. <laughs> You know, it's not enjoyable. It's not fun, and so it's a slog, and it's like bad action, no characters to hang on to, and it's uh, it's a grind. It's a grind. Now, shall we go to the nineteen ninety five film? We shall. Wait, one last gripe about the uh, the remake: no Mortal Kombat music. You need that techno music with the guys screaming Mortal Kombat. I mean, that's what gets you amped from the get go. <laughs> they remixed it. Like you don't you don't need to remix it. There's one song. Yeah, it's the one song. And it's like if you want to hit that nostalgia button, you gotta you gotta bring that. I mean, it's like I don't know. I mean, every fan recognizes that song and gets it gets excited about it. Should we do the original now? Yes, we should. Okay, 1995. <laughs> Jake and Seth are ten years old. This was right in our wheelhouse. This was right in our wheelhouse. Movie made for $18 million and made 122 Directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. First film. He would do Event Horizon next. Wow. Starring Lyndon Ashby. Carrie, I might, I'm going to mispronounce probably. No, Carrie Hiroki Tagawa. Robin Shu, Bridget Wilson, Talisa Soto, and Christopher Lambert as Raiden. Uh, this movie... Had a couple of things going for it. And Seth, I, I, I don't know if you'll agree or not, but uh, it had one thing really going for it that the new one didn't, and that was momentum. And granted, this was like one of the first video game films, but like there was a ton of hype surrounding this, and it delivered. Like this is a film where the critics bashed it, but it made a ton of money because kids like us loved it, and we saw it a few times. And so this is a perfect example of a film that might not have been like great, but it was still successful. And like showing how you can have a divide between the critics and the fans. Um, because, again, like... They did what they set out to do with this movie. Like, they weren't making this movie to impress critics. They were making this movie to, like, make their fans happy and make some money. And that's, like, that's what they did. They kind of... They did have fun with this movie. It doesn't take itself too seriously. <laughs> uh, some of the actors, you know, Christopher Lambert and um, the guy... Lyndon Ashby, I think both kind of stood out to me on the rewatches just in terms of like, these guys just know it's like, this is kind of funny. And it's like, you don't need to be like a serious actor to do this. Lambert, too, coming off the Highlander stuff, I think he works well as Raiden. He's great. His like knowing, I mean, the whitewashing of Raiden, the Chinese lightning god, is as a, but we'll, we can disregard that. Uh, also, he's a god, and he can probably take whatever form he wants. Turns into lightning, too. But, uh, yeah, like Lyndon Ashby is Johnny Cage. They're having fun. This film <laughs> is fun. It has style. It actually has style, which I was surprised. Like looking at, it. like there's real production value. There's real style. There's real nuance to a lot of the set design. <laughs> like there's more character to the film, 
And the other thing too, which I was didn't appreciate, that was really blowing my mind when I went back to the original. I didn't appreciate originally. There's chemistry between the leads, something that was utterly lacking in their original. And I mean, not the original, the remake, this new one, like there's no chemistry. And in this one, there's tons of chemistry and it goes all over between Kano and Sonya, uh, between the three main leads, Johnny, Sonya, and uh, Luke Cam. There, there is also, I just want to say, Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa as Shang Tsung. You can make the argument he feels like he's in a different movie, but I feel like it works. And his seriousness is actually, I feel like it's like a tonic. Like, it's kind of like a balancing for the rest of the film. And it works because everything else is so silly. But I remember being, like, he felt intimidating. And I think he does a good performance here. For someone that has no nuance and no depth and is just pure evil for evil's sake, I think he does a pretty good job of the performance. I agree. It's hard. I mean, yeah, it's a hard role to, like, kind of jump off the screen for it. But you're right. It's like he brings a balance to it that lets the other characters have that chemistry and kind of joke around with each other a little bit more. And also, yeah, it's like he's also kind of a counterweight to Christopher Lambert. And so when they have scenes together – there's some heaviness going on between them. But yeah, it's like, he at least, he, he does enough so that there is, it does feel like this is going to be a guy that's hard to overtake no matter what we do. So it does give the movie some stakes in, in that sense. It, also, just much more, you know, the way they set up Liu Kang and the brother thing in the beginning, it's like, okay, there's a little context there. It takes like five minutes, but at least it gives that character something and some motivation so that once you're on the fucking boat going to the tournament, you understand what's going on. It's not confusing at all. Well, I was saying, in the first 10 minutes, they establish Luke Kang. They have a really cool raid scene with Sonya Blade at, at Kano's Club, which I actually thought that was a, a – I liked the scene. I thought it was a well-directed I, scene. Real quick on that scene, my favorite part is when there's open machine gun fire into that techno dancing crowd. Nobody runs out of this club. They all just keep dancing, Jake. So they, uh, it was one of those uh, silent discos. They all had the headphones on, so they couldn't hear it properly. I thought it was like, it's just that intense a club. You know, gunfights break out, but they're all, you know, they're just into their music or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, hey, is what it yeah, is. Also in that, yeah, in that beginning, they have the Johnny Cage scene on his Hollywood set, which is kind of funny to watch. But I love it. Like, that establishes Johnny Cage. Also, the line, this is where you fall down. They come back to that. Like, it's, it gives him his little punchline. It also establishes that he's funny, but also it establishes his character. He wants respect. They all want something. He wants respect, and he wants to prove he's the best. And so I loved it. Also, I, I really liked it. In terms of believability, though, his character is the least. It's like you left your cushy Hollywood money. Like you're driving around in limos with all this luggage, but you so desperately need to prove yourself to the press. The only thing you can do is join this Mortal Kombat tournament. He does not make sense. Um, and he's a little bit, he's kind of the character where if you like, if you're, if we're dissecting the movie, right. he is the, I'm not, I mean, you probably know the term. He's a little bit of plot fluid, like, or greaser, like whatever it needs, like halfway or the last third of the film. It's like, he's the one who challenges Goro and takes charge of the tournament and Raiden's like, yeah. And Raiden's like, which is a great part. And we'll get into that fight in a minute. But it's like, I didn't get the feeling Johnny Cage was, I thought if anyone, Sonya would be the one to be like, let's do this. Like, she's the cop. She's like very, so it, you know, I, it's weird. It, his, his character's motivations make the least sense, but he's a great comic relief. And he, also the actor, I just enjoyed his performance. Like, I just thought he had fun with the character. 
He's cracking jokes left and right. He sounds like a guy from Hollywood in a, in a lost ancient area or something. You know, it's just yeah. And he, he brings some some groundness to the whole movie. I like it, like when they're walking around in the outworld or outer world, whatever it is, and he's like making jokes about like run, like he felt like he was in high school, and it's like it's stupid, but it works. Like it's it should be stupid. It's a it's a video game movie. As long as the tone matches, it's fine. Right, exactly. And it's like, what other kind of dialogue? You can have some serious dialogue about how they're scared of the outworld, or are you just going to have Johnny Cage crack a joke and get you walking in? You know, it's just like, if you write it a different way, it's going to come across too melodramatic or something. You have to keep it light. You have to keep it moving. And he, that character is what does that, basically. Well, now we're talking about it. And not to bring it back to Marvel, but like maybe Marvel learned that from Mortal Kombat. Or it's like one of those things where it's like, I mean... One thing I'll say about Marvel, it's, I think the movies are better quality, but we've talked about this, whether it's Marvel or just like a, a, getting people to laugh will get them, getting them people to laugh at the right thing in a scene will get them to ignore the stupid stuff. Or if they're, or if you get them to laugh at the stupid stuff, then then it's fine because then it's like it's reinforcing the universe and it's not, they're not going to be. But I was just thinking like, Right though, in terms of like the tone of the movie and, and the pacing of it, you need that that humor involved because it, it is you, you forgive a lot of the goofy stuff going on. You know, it's like they go to this ancient castle with all these cobwebs. And you're, there's a ten thousand year old Molina walking around. All that stuff, if you sit on it for more than five minutes, your head would start to hurt a little bit. But it's like when you're just rolling with the movie, it's a lot easier to, to, to kind of stomach. The Liu Kang character is a bit of a enigma too. He's there for the vengeance to avenge his brother, but he's also like, kind of like whip snappy. He's like a little, he's a little yeah. sassy when he wants it's to all, be. This whole thing with Kate, like Kate tries to get him like pull his bags and he just throws the bag in the water, and you're like, oh, Luke Kang, you're not like too nice of a guy. You're kind of like you got some dick in you too, don't you? I like that. Oh, something that the new Luke Kang could have really appreciated, like a little edge would have been nice for some of the newer characters. Uh, it, it was just, just so interesting. We we have. We haven't talked about Sonya Blade, portrayed by Bridget we Wilson. Talk, we need to talk about her. Because uh, I will say, as a young man, between Billy Madison and this movie, and I think she was in something else, but man, she was uh, she was effective. I mean, I was attracted to her. <laughs> I loved her. She was, uh, she was in um, Billy Madison, Last Action Hero, Higher Learning, Billy Madison, Mortal Kombat, Nixon. That, that, those were her first five movies. She, honestly, I think she's a good actress, and I'm surprised she didn't do more work. I know she married Pete Sampras. No, I mean, full tip of the cap to Pete Sampras for that one, but I don't know if she kind of gave up on her career after that, but she was pretty good, and, uh, you know, she she, she kind of could have had a Sharon Stone-ish type of career, I think. Can I... I don't know what happened, but can I tell you I think one of the problems was? Sure. So... And from 93 to 95, she has this incredible run of five great movies. I haven't seen some of the other things that came after that. Um, Unhook the Stars, Nevada. She was in a couple TV films. But her next big film is uh, after Nixon is I Know What You Did Last Summer. And she portrays the older sister who's like a bookish. She's 24. She is 24. I think she's younger than Sarah Michelle Gellar at this point, who's playing her older sister. She's playing the older sister. But she is like beautiful, and she is like. I, I remember being at the time being like, "Why is she in this role? I thought she'd have a bigger role." But it's like they put her out to pasture at twenty four. Like I just, 
She's also a good actress. Like she's beautiful. She's a good actress. I just I don't get it. It could be as simple as hey, she uh, she married Pete Sampras and right. she didn't have to work. I mean, it could be <coughs> a note in the trivia section that originally Cameron Diaz was supposed to be in that role and she like got hurt or something, so they brought in Brigitte Wilson. But I mean, I don't know. Cameron Diaz would have had her career regardless of Mortal Kombat, obviously. But it is weird to me that Brigitte Nielsen, I'm not saying she could have been Cameron Diaz. I just think she's at least as talented an actress and, and as attractive. And it's like, I, I, you're right. I mean, maybe she just married Sampras and had a family and kind of moved on. But she could have had a bigger career for sure. Uh, the, <clears throat> I'm, I, she married Sampras. Seems like it all worked out well for her. The one I'm really sad about is Robin Chu. Because I liked him when then, who plays Luke Kang. I remember really liking him then. And rewatching it. He does a really good job, and I'm looking at his. Yeah. I'm looking at his career. He got typecast. He does Mortal Kombat again. He does Beverly Hills Ninja. Like of course, it's just the '90s. I mean, it's still not a great environment. It's still difficult to be cast as an Asian, uh, Asian American, Asian actor or actress. But like, come on, like this guy is too talented to not never do another movie. To, he wasn't in like a Batman movie or a Blade movie or like. It just it blows my mind that they couldn't find more for him to do. He also, I don't know if he was wearing a wig in this movie, but there are certain points I thought the hair was beautiful. Uh, it's like perfectly I'm, conditioned. I'm looking at his Wikipedia, and it's beautiful. In 2004, his hair is beautiful. <laughs> I just, I, I'm, I'm just so, I really like him, and I'm like sitting here, and I'm like, oh, I remember liking him then. It's like, oh, I forgot. 25 years later. I'm still looking. Like, it's just so upsetting. Liu Kang could be could come across as kind of a boring character, but you you're right. He gives them a little edge. Like he gives them a little more than what's on the the page there. Which is, I mean, you're right. He he gives something to the character that wasn't there before, and I'm far outplayed the guy that played Liu Kang in the new one. So, I mean, yeah, it's sad that he didn't get it more work. That seems more like a a Hollywood or an Asian situation that didn't pan out the right way. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this, though. He's, um, it looks like he's directing now, which makes me happy oh, yeah. for him. Um, and it's not like he hasn't worked. He's, he had a couple, looks like, not a lot, though. Like, he, he, he was in the... Mostly, yeah, it's mostly been Kung Fu stuff that he's been involved and, in. And Death Race. Looks like he's in a couple Death Race films. Um, <laughs> Dead or Alive. It's just... It's upsetting. I mean, the, the the people who had the best career were Lyndon Ashby, um, but even he, like, I mean, I, I think he had kind of the career that was probably. He's kind of like a B actor, and you know, I don't know if he was ever going to hit it big. But he's a TV but... actor though, and, and he had a good run on what was it, um, Teen Wolf. He, he had six seasons on Teen Wolf, so that's where you got your money. 88 episodes, he's going to get some nice royalties for that. Like, that's his, that's going to be his nest egg. I do think he, even in, I don't know, even in his fight scenes, though, I thought he was pretty good. I'm, I'm sure they're using stunt doubles and stuff, but I was trying to watch it pretty closely, and I was like, you know, and then Ashby, he's got some moves, too. He's, it wasn't like he was getting overshown by the other people on the screen or anything. So it's funny. Most of the most of the scenes, most of the scenes were um, most of the actors did their own stunts. Right. Yeah. Even Bridget Wilson seems like she's out there, like giving yeah, like a lot of work. So Bridget Wilson did all of her own stunts. 
which is impressive. She's got that one move on Kano where she does the headstand with the legs and breaks his neck. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, sensual things going yeah, on. Yeah, a little give me a break, and she does. She she obliges, but that definitely hit a nerve with me as a kid. And it was funny. I was when I was watching it, especially after watching the the remake. I it occurred to me that they were probably sacrificing some some quality in terms of the or choreography. But it still looked good, and it still looked better than what I got in the remake. So I thought it was good. Like it, it's yeah. good. It holds up. And that's you know that some of the sets for the fights, dude. That setting with Johnny Cage and Scorpion in the trees. I don't know where that is in the world, but that was a really cool place to have that scene. And it's like I, I think we should get into some of the fight scenes. Like so, it starts off in that in that that tree, those trees, which are incredible, and then it goes to I'm so they go. Through into some other place. I, I don't know what that was supposed to be, but it, it was almost like a bunch of giant pirate ships smashed together in this like random dark room. It's a really weird description, but the visual is so cool and the setting for the fight was yeah. really memorable and it was I thought it worked really well. Right, yeah, no, it's like, it lets Scorpion scream at Cage a lot, and it, for most of that fight, you're like, how the fuck is Johnny Cage going to win this? Which is kind of how it is with all of his fights, and he always kind of, like, comes up with some weird way to win the fight. But I, like, I liked, well, while we're on him, let's just talk about the Goro fight. Like, the build-up yeah. to the Goro fight, it was... Demolished this friend of theirs. Yeah, I thought it was genius, and the way he wins was great, too. Yeah, I mean, that move where he does the splits... Well, he tricks him. He leads him out. He tricks him. It was. I think it during the game, though, which is always uh, that pleased me as a fan. It's like a key moment in the movie, and then he does it. You know, you do it in the game. You see him do it in the movie. It always made me happy. Yeah, and then he tricks him again at the ledge thing, and that's how you beat Goro. It's like he's a dumb idiot. You, you know, if you sit there and go blow to blow with him, you're not going to win that fight. Uh, I just like that. And then the other fight, we. I also enjoyed the Sub Zero fight that loop with Luke Kang. That took place in a different setting. One of the things that I was kind of sad about was that they killed Sub Zero. And I was like, oh, I forgot they like killed him. I, I, they kill Sub Zero as a character, and so he's a little underbaked in the movie, I guess. They do. He's definitely, in terms of character development, they don't develop the villains outside of Shang Tsung or or Goro, Uh, and actually Kano. That's actually three villains they develop, but like the reptile. They actually develop Reptile more than Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Scorpion and Sub-Zero are, are just henchmen, which is disappointing. Um, Sub-Zero should be a little bit elevated. Sub-Zero should be a little a little bit elevated. Uh, I enjoyed – I mean, Reptile really became the lead because he's the final one he fights, and I that's like that fight too. I like that's the first fight you really see in the Outer World, and it's like that's when you see Liu Kang really start to show off some of his moves. I thought that was a good one too, yeah. I enjoyed it. The, the finale didn't do it for me, but it's fine. It's still – it was still fine. This shank some fight. It's like, all right, whatever. The, the souls come out of him. Yeah, it was like, yeah. But we talked about, we just named there about three fights and four settings. Also, the fights on the beach were more enjoyable than any of the fights that we got in this. This, I also, keep the getting upset. fight is that fight between Liu Kang and Melina on the beach where they're not really fighting. They're kind of talking to each other and doing, like, exercises. Yeah. Some gets, like, pissed off about it. And I was like, yeah, this should be a real fight. Or, like, you guys should have this conversation in a different scene. That was a little weird. I, like, I, I get it made sense because they wouldn't let her speak to any of them or there was someone always watching her and that was the only way they could do it. 
and it's also like they're also being attracted to each other because they're both like but at the same time i think there's a better way yeah she doesn't have anyone she's been there for ten thousand years and she doesn't have anyone in her corner like there's no one on her side but her character i thought was a bit stiff that's one of the few characters that i thought could use a little work i agree Uh, maybe not character like the actress yeah, it's like, I don't know what you, I don't know what I'd have her do, but at least I did think, you know, Kano is still an interesting guy, and he's, he's always kind of that guy in the middle that's like, turning over the good guys, I guess. Um, but I liked, I liked Kano's performance. He, he's not quite, I think they just give him more in the new one, but in this one, he's still, he just comes across as such a douchebag, and he's never wearing a shirt. <laughs> yeah, he's a, uh... It's a, I think this one, the, the Kano in the 95 film would have been better suited for the 2021 film. Maybe. If they could swap those two performances, I think uh, they they would each fit better in the uh, in the alternative film. That's probably true. I also don't know if he even uses his eye thing in the 95 one, which is weird because they make such a big deal from having it, but I don't remember him using it. No, he doesn't. And I didn't realize he shot a laser out of there. I, it's been so long since I played. I was... I was, I was the game, I yeah, it, it was it was interesting. Um, also, I mean, Sonia, it was weird because like they show Sonia's power in, in the new one as like a punch thing, but I remember Sonia in the game having the kiss of death, and it was like this kiss she'd blow to the people, and it would. But so hey, I, I don't even remember. I my favorite thing I love Reptile was my favorite character, and I would do the green ball of energy, which is also missing from this. Oh, yeah. But that that was my go-to move. I also love Sub Zero. Um, yeah, I play with Sub-Zero a lot, too. I got a couple of dislikes. I have some questions and dislikes. I wanted to throw out my dislikes first, if you're ready. All right. Let's, yeah, hit me. So, th- this is a legit one. Uh, I really like how they treated Sonya Blade. Until she kills... Ka- then she kills Kano, and she becomes a background character. And then she's kidnapped for the third act. Yeah, she becomes like the damsel in distress. Yeah. I, that's not the way they should have played that. Didn't like that. The, the thing, this is what bothers me. It didn't need to take place in Outworld. It's going to, the fight's going to end with him challenging Luke Kang. Like, it just, it just didn't really, it's the only part I did. We talk about, like, the structure. The structure was there. It felt like, it, it felt like a more traditional movie plot point that feels really out of place in this setup, I, I feel. I agree. You didn't, yeah, they didn't. They didn't really need to have this whole thing where he kidnaps her and it goes to Outworld, and then it's like Blue and Johnny Cage sort of like have this motivation to go rescue her. And then it's like the like the whole thing hinges on the rules. She needs to accept. I hope she doesn't accept. But like it's just it's a it's one of the few parts. Just it's a contrived. I get it's, it's all also, contrived. There's that part where, where Cage and Luke Kang are talking to Raiden about it, and they're like, "Is she ready to fight him?" And I'm like. She's as ready as the two of you, Jokers. <laughs> like, why can't she fight? Like, I didn't like how Raiden was like, she's not ready. It's like, why not? That was the other thing. I mean, yeah, that was another thing. Like, why? first of all, if I would take Sonya over either of them. Like, <laughs> I think Sonya would be able, like, I, I, she's the toughest of all of them, I think. But, yeah, it, it was, it was just so out of place. Like, it felt like it was, like, a modern movie, and then it felt like it jumped to the 80s. Like it was like yeah. oh like she's a, we need to go save the girl like right. it just it was so weird. felt like a production note or something where it's like you need to have more motivation for these characters at the end. But it's like 
I feel, and I feel like there are probably some cuts. I think they're supposed to lean him more heavily into the uh, Sonya Johnny romance. I feel like there are probably some cuts, like maybe they cut out some parts about like she was happy she came to save him. But yeah, just that that it felt, it felt like a misfire. I mentioned I pretty much I think I mentioned all my other I mentioned my other two gripes. It was that uh, Christopher Lambert whitewashing Christopher Lambert. But even then, it's like I don't have that big a problem because he's supposed to be playing a, an interdimensional god. So I don't know what he looks like. Maybe he's blue. Maybe he's red. Maybe he's purple. I don't know what. Yeah. Maybe he's uh, white. I, I, gotta, I have one gripe for you. There's several times in this 95 version where Shang Tsung says flawless victory, and it's not a flawless victory. And including Liu Kang when he beats Shang Tsung at the end, he's like flawless victory. A flawless victory is when you're not hit at all by the other opponent in the video game. So... You know, even Goro at one point, like he still he takes a kick from that guy before he kills him. He takes a couple punches. That's not a flawless victory, Goro. I mean, it was a dominant victory, not a flawless victory. I did notice he was throwing that out a tad too much. Like there should be, it's like a perfect game. If there's right. multiple perfect games a week, it's not it's not that special. Right. No, but it's like you know he kills the guy. That's the time when you're supposed to say fatality. You're not supposed to, you know. There's two different things going on. There also there weren't enough finish hymns. Like it just like I, I thought they could have had more fun with the shame. They they, they could have had a little more fun. Parts of the game is the, the finish hymns and the fatalities and how crazy and over the top they are. And it's, so it's like I expect a little more of that in the movie. I also didn't understand. There are a few times where like Liu Kang wouldn't didn't kill the person, right? But it's Mortal Kombat. So right. how do you win if they're not dead? I wonder that too. Yeah. You're supposed to kill them at the end, right? Like that was a big part of the game. And I going back, I remember that never occurred to me in '95, and I remember being terrified that Shang Tsung was stealing their souls as a little Catholic boy. That was terrifying to me. So from uh, so I I know why they do it to show that Liu Kang is is merciful and that Shang Tsung isn't, and I get it. But just it, again, it's a, it's a gripe, it's a nitpick, but it's just one of those things. It's, I think there was a better way. It's a, yeah, I mean. Game was kind of known, I want to say, early on. I mean, it got a notoriety for having actual blood come out of people and having these fatalities, and it was much more over the top than anything you play for like NES or something. So it's funny. I think that was one of the few things that the new movie did was have all that gore, and it felt so out of place. Like, and I'm I'm glad this film didn't because it doesn't need it. But like, it could have been a little more violent. Like, I I I think there could have been a little more. Maybe not violence, but a little more maliciousness, like yeah. in terms of the like the finish hymns, the fatalities. The fight, yeah, it's like at the end of the fights, I wanted a little more. You know, it's like even when Sonya Blade breaks Kano's neck, it's like you don't even see it; you just hear the sound kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are we here for? You know, it's Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Yeah, also great use of, the, of that original song in this movie. Always gets me psyched. They, they, this movie. Yeah, like it's so weird. Like the best video game films, I think, are some of the earliest films. This and Resident Evil, the first one, are two of my favorite video game films. I well, I mean, the the movie we haven't mentioned that that used to be a constant comparison to this movie is Street Fighter. Oh my god! But Street Fighter, like I even think Street Fighter, I'm happy to rewatch that. I remember being young, and being like, this movie's bad. Like Mortal Kombat is bad but fun. Street Fighter is just it's it's, it's bad but it's fun because you're laughing at it. It's like very yeah, different. You're right. It, it's a it's a 
worst made movie. The one thing I'll say about Street Fighter, you get Van Damme in it, and you get Raul Julia as M. Bison, and those two performances are just interesting. It's just interesting to watch both of them. Raul Julia as M. Bison is incredible. It reminds me of, I think it's Frank Langella as Skeletor in He-Man, Masters of the Universe. It's like, you have a villain, like this performance, like this is going to be hyperbole. But like, I, last role too, sadly. But like for Raul Julia and Skeletor, like in the right film, those guys could have been like a Magneto yeah. or a Hannibal Lecter or a Thanos. Raul but, Julia would have been a great Avengers villain. It's so sad. Oh, he would have been amazing. <laughs> you're breaking my heart right now. Now I'm thinking about it. He would have been so good. Oh, his M. Bison. His M. Bison is one of the best. I'm always into whatever he's doing. He always does more than what's written on the page. You know. I'm so sad now thinking about Raul Julia. I want him back. Oh. The other video game movie I was going to mention real quick. The original Super Mario Brothers with Lake Wazamo and Bob Hoskins and um, uh, Dennis Hopper as Koopa. Can I tell you, I am a huge fan of that movie. Again, recognize that it's bad, but I saw that movie when I was young in theaters. Alone, away. Alone, away. I, I was like, it was a, I mean, it almost doesn't even feel like like it's even related to super the actual video game. You know, it's like such its own universe, that movie, but still, blown away as a kid when I saw that. I mean, the fact that Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo are brothers is almost... It almost begs belief, especially the fact that they're like 40 years apart in age and two different races. But hey, whatever whatever happens, it's uh, it's New York. It was uh, it's it, it's interesting though. Yeah, there's definitely there's a lineage of movies. But what's so funny, I think, is like for, for the two of us who remember them when they came out in the 90s and this started to be a thing. This also started like you mentioned this like the books, the IP. This kind of started leading into the comic books, blockbusters. But uh, these films, video game movies are getting worse. Like, that's what this new Mortal Kombat film led me to believe. Yeah, that was the thing I was thinking about, too. It's like, when those movies came out, I was like, this is just beginning. In 20 years, video game movies will be like, you know, get Oscar awards and stuff. But it's like, that's not the case at all. Like, video games have not really improved them, or video game movies have not improved them. They can't, they just, they haven't translated. And it's, and it's so weird. Like, I mean, you got the Joker winning Oscars. You got Black Panther being nominated. It's like, uh, what, Sonic the Hedgehog movie came out reading? Like, oh, that was kind of a miss, right? That movie actually did very well. It was supposed to be pretty good. So actually, uh, maybe we'll have to see that. Maybe, maybe we'll put that on the docket. We could do that. I mean, I played Sonic a lot as a kid. It's, and I know Jim Carrey's in that movie, so it's like I, I, I'm sure I could sit through it, but it's like I think that's the most recent example I can think of. So, a few quick questions for you, Seth, before we move into final scores. First question: Who are your favorite? Who's your favorite character or favorite characters from Mortal Kombat? Um. So definitely Johnny Cage. I think Johnny Cage is my favorite. He's not the best character to pick in the game from my memory. He kind of gets beat up a lot, but it's always just fun for me to play him, do that move with the splits. Also, I just love him in the movie. He's like by far the funniest character, the the one I relate to the most. Um, Big fan of Sub-Zero. Played him a lot in the game. Wish his character was developed a little more. Big fan of uh, Sonya Blade also. I think those three, so Johnny Cage, Sub-Zero, Sonya Blade, would be the tops for me. 
I like it. I like it. Uh, mine, Sub-Zero and Reptile from the game. I, I just thought I loved their powers. Uh, and I thought that I just loved playing with them. And then after seeing the movie, I love Johnny Cage. Although I like Liu Kang, too. I like... Yeah, I, I like Liu Kang. Yeah. He's, but it's like, that's like picking Ryu in Street Fighter. You know? It's like, that's the main guy. I liked Ryu too. I'm a bit, I'm a bit basic at times. But it's so funny that they make uh, Guile the main character in the Street Fighter movie. <laughs> like Ryu and Ken are like side characters. You know, I actually think I kind of we should we should do Street Fighter. I, I think we should do Street Fighter. I think we'd have a lot of fun discussing that film. Yeah. Um. So other question. So we, we discussed the three main leads. Is there one? If there was one that you get them like Bridget Wilson, Robin Shu, or. Uh, Linda Nashby. Like, if there was one, you could have them. If you could take, I think we agree that none of them had the career we really thought they could have or wanted. If you could take one of them and just give them a redo, who would it be? And then, in your mind, don't give me the full IMDb. But like, what 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 route would you want them to take? It's funny because um, I think Brigitte Wilson probably does have the most recognizable career of the three. Although I, I think she probably had the, the potential to do the most beyond what she did of the three. At the same time, though, I do think Linda Mashby, if he had the right agent and kind of picked the right parts, I'm not saying he could have been a Tom Hanks or Michael Keaton or something, but I think he could have like he could have had a moment there where he was like a charismatic, funny guy. Could have been in some rom coms. Could have been. Could have you know maybe done a like a semi-serious, semi-funny kind of movie where he's the lead. I think he had the potential to be a little bit more. I, I think you're right. He, he had the comedic, he has the comedic chops. I think he could have been in the right, in the right, I, I like that. For me, I'm just going back to Robin's show. I mean, Bridget Wilson got Sampras. This other guy did Teen Wolf. He's been working. Robin Shu seems to be doing fine, but he's the one I just think, for me, I'd say, Make him an action like why not just have him more action films like as a token as like and that's why I don't get like this used to happen a lot. I'm not saying this is good, but like he didn't even get the the traditional stereotypical treatment from Hollywood where they make him they had that one bad guy the one like Asian guy who was the bad guy in every film like he didn't even get the henchman treatment or like where and I just that's what I don't understand like they couldn't find anything for him to do like and again I may be off base maybe he doesn't want to do anything. A lot of actors are independently wealthy. I'm not sure if he is, but he's from British Hong yeah, Kong. You know, he may have turned down those kind of roles because he thought they were too stereotypical or something. Yeah, and that happens too. I mean, also, he's making his own movies now. I feel like I, I made it sound like he's he's alive and healthy. He's making movies. He's been in movies since that. He was in, the, I think he's been in three death races. Like, he's around. He's doing movies. I just, I really like him. And, I mean, in the, in the mid to late 90s, though, it's like they're still giving Van Damme left and right and steven seagal and it's like you know how about you throw a couple of those straight to dvd budgets and, you know and like let this guy build his career you don't have to keep <laughs> steven seagal is wearing a corset so he can be in that dmx movie like you couldn't get robin shoot like i just uh, you nailed it it's it's still i mean it's still going on you got tom cruise at 60 jumping off fucking buildings granted he looks like he's 30 but uh it's yeah it, for Robin Shu, it's just... I mean, I, I do, I agree. I think that's a lot of Hollywood not having a lot of opportunities for certain Asian actors at that point in time, which is sad, because so, this guy was talented. Robin Shu, I might love you. I don't know. If, if, you, if you're listening to this, I think... Uh, yeah, you still have a fan, Robin Shu. Don't worry. Yeah, you got one fan. Hey, I'll, you make your moral... Your director, get him to make the Mortal Kombat next mo- movie. I'm just mind blown. 
mind blown. Also, Pete Sampras, if you listen to this, we're a fan of your wife. <laughs> oh, one last question. Paul W. Anderson. Oh, yeah, that guy. Where he does this fall in his in his films? Like, would you put this as one of his better films on his worst? By the way, he also did Resident Evil, one of the other video game films that I mentioned. That's so. right. I would say he did a good job, like, of taking this as, like, an early project and, like, showing his skills and moving, you know, his set work on Event Horizon is really good, too. And so it's like, I think he kind of found an opportunity and made the best of it. I don't know if he was like a huge Mortal Kombat fan, but he didn't do anything too complicated. Like he followed the basic formula and did what he had to do and he made money off of it. And he not, he's had a pretty nice career. He's had a good career. I, th- I mean, he's really made his bones on the Resident Evil franchise. That's where he's, I, I don't know. If, I don't, I think those movies might've made more money, but this is what I'll say. This was the only time his films really broke through the zeitgeist where like, I remember talking about it at dinner table, like, with like my parents and like family friends are like this what's going on with this movie like why is it so popular it seems so stupid no like why do kids keep seeing like and it was like the between the special effects the fact it was a video game movie the fact it was successful like it was popping and uh he i think resident evil the first one might be a better film i actually really like that film i, we, I would actually love to do that film here i'm gonna have to pitch that to you but um and i you know i love event horizon but uh i think this is probably i think it might be as it might be his most important film. I'd say and not just because it's his first, but because of it. I think it had the most cultural influence. Right. I think I'd have to go Event Horizon for his best movie, actually. Although he does seem like a guy that's kind of stayed in his lane for a long time. Maybe he should like take a shot at doing something a little different or bigger. Seth, if you were here right now, I'd kiss you on the lips for saying that. For saying Event Horizon was your favorite. I'm so happy right now. Um, but agree. He's young. He's like, I think he's 50. He might not even be 50 yet. Like, he could... He, he should pivot. Yeah, he should pivot. <clears throat> like, he's done what he needed to do with these, like, video game and action movies. He should pivot to something a little more substantial, I think. Let's maybe, ra- I don't know. If you're making money for that long, making those kind of movies, it's like, maybe that's just for Yeah, hey, remember they like it. Who knows? He also gets to cast his wife into every film, so he's double-dipping in the in the money bank. Oh, he's married to the Resident Evil chick? Mila Jovovich. Oh, Mila Jovovich. Yes. Time to, uh, you ready to move into final scores here? I am. Finish him! <laughs> I think the 95 one, I'm going to give like a solid six and a half. Like, it's a watchable movie, and it's kind of funny. You're not going to get bored. And it's just like, it doesn't take itself seriously. It's what I want when I sit down for like one of these video game movies, or like a best of the best, or what's more. And it's like, just give me what I want and make me happy. And don't do anything too complicated. It's also over within like an hour and 33 minutes, yeah. which is like, that's good. And the new one is like two hours and it feels so much longer. So long, so long, especially if you're on substances and you're expecting something else. Yeah, it's, it is not good. There is no, so I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm right there with you. I was, I was in the six range, but I'm going to do six, five. It's, it's good. What now for the new one? I'm giving it like a two. Like honestly, I, I I don't I can't find anything redeeming about it, other than the fact it has a diverse cast. But the first cast was diverse too, and it has Kano, and like that's and it has two good fights. That's kind of it. No, I'm, this is going to be the lowest score I've given any movie on this thing, and I'm going to give it uh, a zero point five. <laughs> 
I've never been happier. Like, maybe one scene I liked, there, you know, the Kano character had a couple lines, but like the directing, the writing, the set work, I mean, every piece of, you know, the music wasn't good. It was every technical part of this movie was bad in my opinion. And I'm just not going to give it a good score. I don't think people should watch it. I love that. I, I, one last thing on that. We haven't mentioned the director. I don't think we'll be mentioning him again. No offense to this guy. His name's Simon McCoy. I don't know who this is. His Wikipedia. This is this is his entire Wikipedia page. Simon McCoy is an Australian filmmaker best known for directing the 2021 reboot of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> McCoy's background was in directing commercials. That's his Wikipedia page. I think it's going to end there too. That's not the guy they should have picked to do that. I mean, I don't know anything about him. Sounds like neither did the producers. Honestly, uh, let's let's call a spade a spade. It sounded like HBO Max slash WB. We're like, you know what? They had fifty million, fifty million hanging around. Like, let's pay someone as little as we can. Yeah. Let's pay a director and actors as little as we can to stretch it's this not, budget. It does really sound like they dumped it all in the CGI and they just nothing like the writing and the directing. They just like. And the cast, they didn't pay anybody. It's, uh, this is going to be one of those bad films that I'm going to enjoy like coming back to. Not watching, but like I'm going to read articles. Every time I see an article about it, I'm going to come back to it. Because also, this the new one was made for 55 and it made 70, it's made $75 million. Yeah, it's still in theaters. It's not going to reach 122 And if you account for inflation, like the original one made like... If you count for inflation, the original one probably made closer to two hundred fifty to three hundred million dollars today in today's. Or, so, like when you go buy tickets, this is an epic failure. And I'm I even accounting. Almost, I would almost bet that the original game, counting with inflation, made more money. You, I bet you're right. I, I honestly, you're. I bet you're right. I, I, I think you're right. It's uh, and even that's that a, game was popular. I was saying counting inflation, even not counting inflation, nineteen ninety five dollars almost doubled this. Like it's it's bad. It, it's bad. And I'm not – no excuses for COVID anymore. If Godzilla can make 500 fucking million dollars, there's no reason this can't break 100. Like, it's bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a straight-up bad movie. Flawless victory. <laughs> Seth, you killed it. We killed it. It's gone. I gave it a fatality with my 0.5 rating. I love – this is going in our hate bin with uh, the Zack Snyder – pretty much yeah. Zack Snyder films. And I think there's one or two also, others we've hated. But I, I'm, I'll tell you. I'm beat. After the Mortal Kombat's and the Dog Day, it was an emotional week. That is very different movies, but it was fun, as always. Ready to say goodbye to our friends and fans here? Goodbye, Mortal Kombat friends and fans. Finish him!